welcome to Spare Prats, and today we're talking about the comic book adventures. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the comic strip adaptations, volume one. Good evening, the news at nine o'clock on Wednesday the 20th of February 1980. Ah! Ah! I'm a monster, I'm a monster. <laughs> You're a wazzock, that's what you are, nearly scared us to death. <laughs> M1000CM900 LXX1X, that's a... 1979. Date of manufacture, 1979, that's now! Oh, gods, how I love war. Let my Iron Legion march forever, for only through destruction am I alive. Without it, I am a dead sea. Hyperspace jump completed. Planet Sol 3 in sight. That is where the radiation trail leads. It is, sir. Then pinpoint the target at once. I have conquered this town, the place they call Stockbridge. That's the last of the neck bolts, so all it needs is one good twist and a tug. Run, Shaft, run! Fudge! Don't get too close, he might have space mange. He was bleeding, remember? Why are they keeping us standing around? What do they want with us, Viv? I don't know, Doc. Funny that. Still, look on the bright side. They've not shot us. Surrender, or I'll be annihilated. I surrender. I repeat, I... Goodness, is that a chieftain? I am the only chieftain here. I meant the tank. Pretty Polly. Watch out, Mr. Morris. Hola! Big finish. I said, hola! We love stories. Look, whoever you are, the least you could do for a fellow whose space-time ship you shanghaied is hola, back. This was our attempt to do a 60th show where we talk about something, and I went with this because one of the 60th episodes is an adaptation of one of these stories. I'm going to say up front, for me, it was very much a box set of two halves one i liked quite a bit and thought worked for me and one i didn't but i will be interested to see what everyone else thinks basically you, you want to out who thinks which is the crap yes. one yes I, I want to see i want to i want to make sure everyone agrees with me and then i'll change my mind well i'll go first the iron legion was the first one i didn't like it it, it just did not click with me at all to the point, and I'm going to out this, say this now, I skipped halfway through it. And I still knew exactly what was going on. I don't know what it was, just, it just did not click with me at all. And I just found it really just, the the, the human companion couple were constantly arguing and putting each other down. They didn't like that dynamic. The whole robot Romans thing just seemed, it seemed like a really crap episode of Star Trek, the original series, and they did it better. Better than the Star Trek cartoon series, do you think? Animated Star Trek. So that's what you should really yeah, link it to. On par with that. Imagine, yeah, that episode when they find the Romans and then just make it an animated bonkers, like not in a good way bonkers, but just like, what the, what the fuck is going on? What was your thoughts, Doug? Which was the better of the two? Well, just in general, I mean, we're obviously we'll start, let's start with the Iron Legion as a starting place then, because that was the first story. Yeah, so I am old enough to have bought this as a comic and... The week of the 17th of October 1979, complete with the free transfers on the front that I don't think I still have on the front, which is a shame because it's probably worth a lot more money with those. And I must have read these stories at the time. 
And I do not remember anything about them because I haven't read them Locked since. them out. In fact, I haven't read in all the months and years I bought the magazine, I haven't read any of the stories more than once. And I gave up reading them several years into the, well, probably into the monthly um, thing. So I wasn't really a comic fan. So, And it was interesting, actually, looking back uh, at this first issue, there's actually three cartoon stories in it. So it's more of a comic book than it is a magazine at the time, or you know, a weekly magazine at the time, which I'd completely forgotten. It's interesting as well that one of the other two stories is H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, which is another story that Big Finish have done as well. But anyway, that's a, a bit of an aside. I thought it was all right. It was obviously based on a comic book. It was expanded a lot. Those two lovely characters that Chris loved so much appear in the very first panel. There's a couple of people in amongst a bunch of marauding robot legionnaires and a chieftain tank, a Sherman tank, whatever it was. And they've got much bigger bit in the audio than they do in the in the cartoon because that is the only panel they appear in. Quite a lot of the the dialogue was either the same or very similar, but obviously in a, what was it? It was an eight-week series. So each of the episodes on the audio was two of the the weeks, two weeks worth of stories. And generally, the first cliffhanger in the comic was sort of, wasn't even really obvious in the audio as a cliffhanger. It was just a line straight on. And it was all right. They were quite annoying, those people. Mr. Douglas, which didn't help. <laughs> Douglas the name. Kirk, as it was. Douglas Kirk as he was, so uh, Kirk Douglas being Spartacus in the, the 1960s film. <laughs> I had never, I had not clicked on that. Holy shit, I thought it was a Star Trek reference. No, I get that now. I had not clicked on that. <laughs> you youngsters. <laughs> we are, we're young compared to you. I would have been three when this came out. I am guessing that they named him Douglas just so they could get that little joke in, which obviously went whoosh right over all you youngsters' heads. <laughs> it, was, it was a wasted effort, really, from the writers. I wonder how many other those things went over your heads. What about John Craven? No, no, I got that. Yeah. Do you know what he was in at the time, though, and why it, kids were... It was a news round, wasn't it? It was a news round, exactly, yeah. Now, Chris is maybe too young to remember John Craven's news round, but Joe and I, we're the right generation. No, I, I did pick that one up. I supported yeah. that. Well, people know him for something different now. It's country file, I guess, for the last twenty odd years. But back in the day, I knew of the news round, but never, never watched the news round. The news round. There's no there, Chris. It's just <laughs> news round. Or, or as was at the time, John Craven's news round. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so anyway, it was all right. You, you could tell that it was more comic booky than any of the other stories we've done, pretty much. And you could tell it was based on something and something that wasn't a, a novel like some of the... Have we done any of the novel ones? Not sure we have, actually. No, I don't but, think so. But it, it wasn't something that was written from scratch for audio. You could tell that. And a lot of the audio, you know, there were bits of it, they were describing what you see on the comic book panels that describe a swirling thing that one of the, the bad guys got sucked into towards the end and things like that. So it's a little bit... I mean, I, I guess there's not, not many ways you can describe what's happening as an image, because there's only a certain amount of sound that people are going to imagine something with. Yeah, it's, uh, it was all right. It was nice to have Tom on his own. Yeah, he thought he could be Doctor Who without a companion at one point, halfway through or a bit more through his run. He only ever did the one the one story, The Deadly Assassin, without a companion. I'm not sure it would work. I think it works. Well, he, he kind of gets companions in the, the second story, and he obviously has robots and like as part of the Iron Legion. Something else that I, you youngsters probably may not have picked up on, and I'm not sure it was something that they actually did, but 
the robot Vesuvius reminded me of old Bob from the Black Hole, including one of the one of the phrases he said. But I checked when the film actually was released, and it wasn't released until just after these issues came out. So unless they'd seen previews of it, it can't have been based on them. I see what you mean. I'm just looking at the visual of them, and I yeah, I do. Yeah, see there's, well, mean. in in the Black Hole, there's two robots. There's a Vincent, I think, is the the main yep. one. But he's got old Bob, who's a battered old thing, and he stutters a bit. And and I'm sure there was a line that reminded me, I haven't seen the black hole in God knows how many years, but it just sounded like it was a line that had been taken straight out of the film. But So the the, I mean, the comic strip started in October, mid-October, so it was obviously written probably in September. I don't know how, how close the deadlines are. But the film was released in the UK on the 18th of December, or, so that's that's like two months at least. Well, I mean, after the whole strip was finished, I guess, and Bob doesn't appear till near the end, so the last couple of panels or whatever, the last two, last episodes were a bit, I guess. So, yeah, it was all right. It was, you know, it was Tom Baker being Tom Baker. It was nice, lots of Jelly Baby references and the like. But as to the story, it was a comic strip story expanded for audio, and it sounded that way. And what did you think, Joe? Me. Joe's Joe's beat for this episode. She's just gonna sit there and go <laughs> meep. You're gonna absolutely just eviscerate it. Meep. Um so I don't know whether uh I was in like the best of moods to be listening to this. Got a lot on at work. Um so I didn't really hugely enjoy it. I did like hearing Tom Baker. I've heard a couple of ones before with him in the the, the big finish suite of of things so I've, I've actually i've listened to like half of one where it turned into something else which was i think we had a discussion about that Stuart, where he seemed to be in a jungle back in time and then all of a sudden it was a completely different story i didn't know yes <laughs> did we, did we not really think weird. that you probably jumped stories <laughs> i think we jumped stories because like this makes no sense at all so th- that that was okay i didn't really i didn't really like any of the characters which didn't really help I did like Back Back You Slimy Horror, which was one of the, because I've even written it down, Back Back <laughs> You Slimy Horror. And when I look back at my, my, my diary, I was thinking, why have I written that down? <laughs> and, and that's why. So I'm really sorry. I don't have a huge amount to say. I wasn't so keen on, I find them, the music in the background quite jarring to start with. And I don't know again whether that was just my mood at the time or whether it is. So perhaps when I'm feeling a bit more jolly, I might listen. I might probably not going to listen back to see whether actually that's a fair appraisal or not. That's really it. Me and I was going to say about the jelly babies, but you got in there, Doug. So I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, Joe. I feel the same. I this was the half of it that I really didn't get on with. It didn't work for me at all. It's not that. It just felt like it was. It felt like the writers who are great comic book writers they're, you know they're the guys who created 2000 AD pretty much they created Judge Dredd they didn't feel like they had a handle on the Doctor for me and I think the format of the comic didn't work on that audio I thought it worked a lot better in the second one for me it just yeah I found it really disjointed and I really wanted to like it I don't think it was Tom's greatest performance either yeah I would say like, I, I don't I don't ever go into listening to these things hoping to not like them, but I did struggle, I'd have to say. No, well, I mean, 
No, I was just going to say, we, we, we try to do a positive podcast as much as possible, but if we don't like it, you don't like it. And, you know, it's not that it's bad. Other people do like it. It just didn't land for me. Yeah. And I think that's the same for you. For just the personal. Chris, was this the first time that you'd heard Tom Baker? Yes. In, a, in, a, in, a, in an entire recording, yes. Heard bits and pieces and clips and stuff. When was this recorded? Because this felt like... A younger Tom Baker. Twenty sixteen. So. I was just checking that myself because Tom sounds quite, quite like, yeah. yeah, quite, quite like Tom Baker of the old days. So, considering he's in his nineties, I think, or late eighties, he's he can still well, at that time at least, which would have been, well, I guess, that's eight years ago, or seven or eight years ago. So, he'd have been, yeah, early eighties anyway. Yeah, well, for me, it, like the 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 voice of Tom Baker just sounded exactly as it would do as if you're just picking up the, the series from where. From you know, from his tenure as, as the doctor, but what was interesting for this one is how is it, like, you alluded to it there, Stuart, of being disjointed. Like the story just felt like two, three issues just extended out. I mean, it's comics are quick reads anyway, so to really, really string out that plot along for the case of four, what is it, what, four episodes in this in this little in this run, yeah, eight, eight, eight uh, comic strips, four episodes. Yeah, no, I mean, for, yeah, four episodes for the audio, but not with the issues. Like, you're just really stretching the plot out, stretching every instance out to the point where it's like, and it has those kind of like plot twists every few every few seconds. But as you say, Doug, you kind of like glossed over them in this one. Well, this, this fourth episode is, is a lot longer. It's like four or five minutes longer, at least, than all the other episodes. And I think that didn't really help towards the end. Well, that's one of the, it's one of the, the big problems you find in, in quite a few comics. I mean, I've been... You know, work, I've worked in comic shops, I've been collecting comics for, what, oh, Christy, 15, 12 years now. And one thing I keep seeing a lot of times, like a lot of good stories will start, have a really great crescendo, but that last, they can't quite stick that landing. And it's always really frustrating for a really good book that's been wonderful up until you know, that last three, four panels. And this felt very much the same in terms, but, but for a boring story, I'll be honest. And you get to this point where, the doctor gets kidnapped and coerced into taking the big, the actual big bad. I don't know. In my mind, I'm picturing some sort of like amorphous, crowish, black, gooey thing. And then, yeah, takes her into the TARDIS, presses a button, and oh, Mac, ex machina away. Like, okay, so there's a button. Again, you've got writers who are maybe not as versed in the, the lore of Doctor Who. And there's, again, that time where it was just throw everything, everything against the wall and whether it sticks or not is down for debate for nerds like us for many years to come. But to have a big button that is cl- I, ex- that's pretty much a hoover, uh, it just opens a vortex in the ceiling, everything gets sucked in, and, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, there's no real... There's no real so, yeah, the having, having a big... Th- it's all finished in five seconds. Like, big red, big threatening button. Yeah, just fell flat. Which I think is on a very flat sort of episode. It's just kind of like, well, fuck, fuck, that's over. I mean, they they were trying to do forty pages of comic strip, and there's there's not a lot in the comic strips. You see it there, um, and that's kind well, of what I mean. Like they've really, like they've really fleshed out to the point where it's near paper thin, or or, sorry, or should I say, for new who's fans, Cassandra thin. I, yeah. I wonder oh, if reference yeah. like it. Yeah, but that's reference. the thing. It's, it's just for me. It was just too thin, too weird, and then just kind of just ugh, just fell off a cliff. Not a fan. Although I should you, probably you, you, say, like, if if I was going to try and audio animate 
a cartoon from a comic from a very long time ago, I doubt I would be able to do any better. But that's not why we're here, I suppose. <laughs> I feel bad about slating things, but at the same time, I really didn't enjoy it. Well, again, I, I, you know me, I'm Captain Positive for these sort of things. I'm always going to try and find something I enjoy. And, and I did enjoy Tom Baker. I enjoyed the, mm-hmm. the score, actually, I thought was really good. Very loud and very, like, the sound effects were really good. The thing Joe didn't like about it, you liked. I think I maybe just, like, that's what I said. I'm, I'm not sure I was actually in the right humour to listen to it. I think maybe that has, that does colour a lot for me sometimes. Well, I listened to it coming back up on the bus. So I just kind of like focused on the road and try to let my imagination take me away. But then I just, I, I, well, as I said, I turned it off after the thing of the first episode and a half. By like 40 minutes in, I was like, nah, this is not, I'm, um, not that I wasn't in the mood, I was in the mood because I was like, yeah, I'm stuck, stuck in a bus. I'd rather like let my imagination go off the whimsy. Nowhere to go. Yeah, locked <laughs> in a bus with strangers, great. I just spent the last three days in a hostel with strangers, great. I, I slightly wondered if they were relying on the charisma of Tom Baker to sell it a little bit because it did, for me, it felt a bit thin and it, it wasn't like it was terrible. It just, I think it's just limited by the story being a comic for kids, which it was at that time, because it was like a weekly comic, basically, rather than, a, you know, these days, it's more, you know, the, well, you've got the graphic novel there and things are written more for an adult audience, but I'm not sure that's the case for these early Doctor Who weekly stories. I mean, it's a, it, it's lovely artwork, actually. I was thinking when I looked at the comics, it's, I mean, it's of its time, but it's, it's nice artwork and it's, yeah. yeah, I just felt it didn't feel much like the Doctor to me. And, and maybe that was a lack of companions. And, you know, Tom Baker did his best to make it feel like the Doctor, but it, it didn't 100% work. I do have to butt in here that like, having seen the, the front of this, I've never seen a, a Doctor Who comic before. Um, that is one ugly Sontaran. Tom Baker. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's not a comedy Sontaran in the slightest. <laughs> that's not funny. No, that's when they start to go downhill, though. So it'll be the key to time, Sontaran, won't it? Doug, do you mind scrolling down a little bit to see who the artist is? Is that still... It's Dave Gibbons. Dylan, it's still Dave Gibbons, yeah. Yeah, Dave Gibbons was the artist for pretty much the first few, first couple of years, I think, of Doctor Who magazine. Cool. Did you say that he did uh, George Dredd as well? Because there's George Dredd bikes in this. No, G- Gibbons' most famous work is he did Watchmen. And as I say, I quite like a lot of the artwork. I, I will say, I felt a little bit sorry for the baddies in this because it sort of struck me that if if your species is called the malevolous you don't have a lot of options in life you're going to become a villain i mean portentous isn't it ironicus ironic is in his name i mean yeah they they, they weren't weren't shy weren't shy in the comic book they have a victim of the year a number of victims of the year is 124 in roman numerals cxxiv but they say 126 in the audio. We've added extra ones. Citing changes to the plot. <laughs> be a whole side mission as to who those extra people are. <laughs> That's in case they do a sequel. The way they're leaving this. They've been giving it a glowing review before they do the next I, I one. Do, it'll do be a very strong adventure. That's what it'll be. <laughs> That's, it's big finish. They will have a whole four box sets ready about those two people. It is noticeable that this box set is called The Comic Adventures Box Set 1. And there has never been a box set too. Well, you tell me it was popular then, Stuart. I'm, I'm guessing that lots of people sort of felt the way we did about at least about the yeah. first one. Well, you say that, but apparently they've got years and years worth of Tom Baker recordings to release 
when he's no longer able to do them. So you might find that there's not 10 volumes of this to come. It's not impossible, but I, yeah. I actually think we've caught up a fair bit on the Tom Baker ones because I think he's cut down a lot on the amount he does. He's, you know, he's Tom Baker. He's a legend. He can go off. And apparently he quite enjoyed doing these because they were different. And, you know, from that respect, you know, even if it's just a way of keeping Tom Baker happy, I'm kind of happy that they exist. But I can't see me going back and re-listening to this one anytime soon. It just was a D8. comic strip. D8. <laughs> I have really. I have read the comic book and I would, if I was wanting to hear the story again or do the story again, I'd read the comic book because it would take a lot less time. It would. But the second story on this, the Star Beast, which is the one they are adapting, I really liked. It felt much more coherent for me. I'm going to guess Doug will hate the little cute beastie of Beep the Meep. No, it was the two kids that I hated and put me right off it. There has to be something. Well, I mean, I, I listened to them pretty much one after the other yesterday when I was doing gardening and stuff. And I was doing stuff inside when I got to the second one, so I kind of got distracted because I was cooking my dinner and whatever. And I wasn't sure if that was because just it wasn't grabbing me or whatever, but I started listening to it again tonight and I was struggling to get through the first episode again, so I never got as far as listening to the, the end of it, so... I really don't know what happens at the end, which is good in a way, so don't spoil it for me because I've got to watch it on telly in a couple of weeks' time. I'm wondering how much they'll change it. I hope they don't have two annoying kids in it. They're going to have Donna in it. And... She's annoying enough for you, isn't she? Well, I've quite grown to like Donna since she first appeared, but who yeah. knows what it'd be like when she's back on the telly. I do wonder, it's a comic book story they're doing. As I think it's the first one, so does that mean that it's a comic book universe, alternative universe that they're in or something? Because Donna's not supposed to... Was it she's going to die if she sees the Doctor again or something like that? I think they're certainly going to change a bit of it around. I suspect that it's going to be the female character part is going to be Donna's daughter in this. That's my suspicion. And by the time this comes out, it'll either be on the day of or probably a few days before it's due out. But my thoughts are that... Because I also understand that there is someone playing the Fudge character in... Star Beast, although I don't see a name on IMDb, so I don't know where I'm getting that from. Well, it's going to be interesting. I listened to this, I've listened to it twice now, and kept trying to imagine how much, because we've seen the trailers and stuff, so, okay, that, that's this bit, that, ooh, that's very cool, that's very interesting. I've not seen the trailers, don't spoil it for me. Oh, well, I'm just saying that the trailers, there's just trailers, where everyone dies, it's fine. But yeah, so how much of it's going to change? But then at the same time, listening to the second time around, I'm kind of realising that, as you say, Stuart, you think it's going to be Donna's daughter playing... I, well, I, that's my thoughts on it. But I think I think there's a few... I mean, they're obviously we know that they're adding in unit in a bigger way than they did in this because we know that Kate Stewart's in it. But I really think they're just going to take the base structure of this story, this, this, uh, this comic story, and just taking that forward and then just, you know, RTDing the hell out of it. And I'm really excited for it. I'm really hoping that they do what they did with, was it Dalek episode, the story that we, we reviewed way, way back, one of the early ones we did. Yeah, precisely. Because that was, you know, little bits and pieces from the, the original story, but completely rewritten. So that that's what I'm hoping for, having struggled to get through this one. I think it'll be different, but I think it'll be fun. But I see, I liked it. I enjoyed Beat the Meep. It was ridiculous and a, and a little bit irritating. But I... The only thing I kept thinking all the way through it was Miriam Margulies is going to be so much better when I see her. <laughs> she just feels like she's a better... Well, that's what I was going to say as well, because you just kind of thinking, like, that's... How's... Oh, 
Miriam's going to beat this. But at the same time, like, she's going to be so... How can you be annoyed? How can you be annoyed and, like, Miriam? Mogley's... I mean, she's a great vocal... You know, she does great voices. She was... I only discovered relatively recently she was a voice of the Cadbury's Caramel Rabbit. Was she? I did not know that. Yeah. And it feels so out of place because that was designed to be quite a sort of sexy rabbit, as these things are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sexual rabbit. But it's not it's not what you think of when you see Miriam Margulies as that ah, sexy rabbit. The first thing that comes to mind, no. <laughs> I mean it might be what it might be what Chris thinks of, but it isn't what I think of. Yeah, Jessica Rabbit would be the one I would think of you talking about a sexy rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> not the Cadbury's <laughs> one. <laughs> no, I like the beat the meat thing. I'm slightly surprised that uh, you found that so difficult though, because I found the first story really difficult. I I and, and Ed, my other half Ellie did as well. Where, but and I found it strange to think they were written by the same team and adapted by the same person because it felt like a to me a much more coherent story. Maybe it just felt the narrative worked better in, in that kind of. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, I think the kids annoyed me, and I kind of yeah. got distracted because of what I was doing from the story. So I kind of lost the plot a bit. In fact, I wasn't even really aware that Unit were in it. I don't think. So that's how much attention I was paying at the point they appeared. And I think I was just, the first one was all right. It was comic booky, and the next one I knew, well, this is the one that's going to be on telly, so I should really be paying attention to this story a bit more. But it just didn't grab me. I just wasn't in the mood for it. Maybe maybe if I'd listened to them separately, not been doing stuff, it might have been different. But I think those those annoying kids would have just killed my interest in it again. I, I, I think... It it sort of followed the big finish thing of though of hiring quote blatantly adults to play, mm. <laughs> yeah, to play teenagers, and I think the accent. I really struggled with it. I really struggled with that. I think the um, accents yeah. didn't help. Yeah, I, really, I really enjoyed the accents. I mean, I've got a couple of Yorkshire folk who work with me now, and uh, yeah, just and previous partner was York from we're a family from Yorkshire, so like that accent is like embedded in me somewhere. And like, oh, it's just quite it's nice and homely. There was one bit that made me laugh a lot, and the joke might make Doug laugh if he if he got into this point in the audio, which he maybe didn't. Skipped over it. That the the unit soldiers, I Doug, you'll know what the call signs for the unit soldiers tend to be. Do you? Oh, trap one, trap two. I think we yeah. did hear that. Greyhound is brigadier, and then it's trap. I love the fact that the Yorkshire-based one was called Whippet. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like, oh, that's just going for stereotypes in such a way. Not Greyhound here. No, no, no. It's whip it. Yeah, well, maybe I missed that. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure I had a trap one, trap two somewhere in it. So uh, maybe that just trapped my ear back. But the whip it had been before that. I don't know. I just thought the story was much more cohesive. I think mostly again over the the course that it was a a good pace for plot and stuff. And unlike the previous one, it just seemed to know where it was going and where it wanted to be. And yeah, it wasn't. Wasn't convoluted. It was a nice, slight mystery to it. Oh, um, no spoilers. But again, if you listen to this, you kind of may know what's coming. Who knows? Week and a half. But yeah, the the plot twist was interesting, and like, yeah, it's just ignited my passion for what's going to happen next week. I again, I don't want to like get so far like into the sixtieth, but let's come back to this one. I just thought this worked a lot better than the first one, and the characters were were fun, were interesting. If again, it did feel very much aimed at kids it very much like that the kids were and the doctor were the part the main part of the story it also seemed quite dark a lot of the times as well which i quite enjoyed the fact that the factory's getting taken over with the the dark star or something like that was it black star mm-hmm. yes 
that was quite cool. And then obviously not having not seen the comic, you know, good visuals in my brain to kind of tie it all together. It could I could ground my imagination of what this was going to look like, which I really enjoyed. And again, Tom Baker put in a a much better Tom Bakery performance. Again, you said the last one was less Doctory. This one felt very much like classic Doctor Who. Yes, I thought I thought that as well. I thought it felt like it was a much sort of stronger one. So no, I there was lots to it. I did enjoy on this the second one. I just thought it, for me it worked a lot better. I, I the accents were a little bit annoying, and the idea that Pig Finish always seemed to employ people in the thirties or whatever to play teenagers, and that's maybe unfair, but it kind of felt that way a little bit. But I enjoyed Beep. I enjoyed Tom. It worked a little, as I say, it worked a little better for me. But as I say, I think it's very telling that this is box one of a set that, as far as I'm aware, they've got no sort of desire to continue because I suppose they have to pay the original writers. They probably have to pay Marvel stroke Panini, whoever owns the rights to it just now. And then on top of that, they're going to have to pay the people that do it now so and the people that will then convert it over. So they're probably yeah. not cheap. I think the whole set wasn't as spectacular as I was kind of hoping. I was hoping it would be really interesting, curio based on the fact that it was comic strips rather than books. And I think my thoughts are that comic strips just doesn't adapt anywhere near as well as books do to an audio. Well, I think it might depend on the comic strip and how, where it's aimed. If it's aimed at sort of younger, you know, I presume it's aimed at young teenagers, the comic strips and back in the day. I mean, this was, you know, what would I have been? I'd have been 14, I guess, something like that at the time. And I, you know, I, I grew up reading the comic strips probably two or three years after that, maybe even sooner than that. I really can't remember now. I know that for decades I haven't read any of the comic strips. It's a waste of time having a comic strip in Doctor Who magazine to me because those are just pages I completely skip. So I don't read them in Doctor Who magazine, but I quite like to have the comic books themselves. So I'll read them in a comic book weirdly, but I won't read them in that. Although I've had a lot of them from Humble Bundle because they often do Doctor Who packages. Didn't quite hit all the marks for me and it sounds like it wasn't particularly consistent for anyone i think it's, it's typical for us i mean that we're all like star beast and doug likes the, the lion legion i liked it more but i didn't like it necessarily it was it was it was strictly average the first one and the second one was below average in my view I, i'm gonna say chris it's probably because of the comedy beat the meep we don't want any comedy no comedy here. But the comedy beat the beat. It isn't very comedy later on. There's the kids. It's not the kids. It's the kids. <laughs> I mean, in my view, not as bad as the comedy bird general robot thing. In... Oh, ironicus. Yes. That name is now burned into my brain of annoyance. Because <laughs> it's, it's such a lame joke name. Like, <sighs> How quickly do you think these comic book stories are written then? You've probably got a much better idea than I do. Well, that's what's kind of the thing is that is fascinating about, as we've said before, about translating a comic into an, a different format. Well, obviously, we've seen like comics are very much a visual art form. So, how to translate that into audio or written? It's it you have to add a lot more to them because you can you know read them at a, a quick pace because or you can just scroll through it with just looking at them. So to get a lot of the dialogue out of a comic, you kind of had to, you know, you could finish it in five minutes. It's easy done. But when you really go flesh out to, say, a 45 to a 30-minute episode of a, th- of a thing that is solely written or audio, you either have, I don't know, it's it's, it's just really hard. 
and to get right, to get a good balance between the original context and the original dialogue or script. And in one case, we have one that worked and one one that didn't, because I think the other, the first one had to pad out a lot more. We said it right there. There's the two. There's the two characters, the Kirks, who were in two cells and never to be seen again. But in the next one, they've had to pretty much the the companions, the the extended cast, which you know this became really annoying. I just didn't. I just didn't lock onto their characters at all. I just thought like they just didn't seem like a happy married couple. And they just kind of bicker to each other all the time, which can be endearing to a certain extent. But then that's what married couples do, I think, Chris. Well, this maybe is... not the happy married ones. Well, Joe, Joe, you're the only married person amongst them. Very little bickering. The odd, the odd bicker. If, if you're if you're flung into a parallel world with a robot army of Romans, you're not going to just be slating each other the entire time and be like, you know, not a chance. We, we should probably work together and get out of this situation and not be. A, couple of decades. Yes, we can talk about where your glasses are in a minute, dear. <laughs> I have in my note, what the hell happened to the rest of Stockbridge? It's like we're taking we're taking the whole uh, whole town, and the whole town gets taken in, and then we never really hear them again until the end. The Doctor goes, oh, we'll find all the rest of the people and take them back. <laughs> well, more actors, wouldn't it? Exactly. But Stockbridge is a bit of a thing. There's a, there's a series on Big Finish previously which sort of goes into Stockbridge and has Is it Midsummer Murders for, for Doctor Who? It, it kind of is. It's just a place where things happen. Looking at the length of the episodes from both of them. Well they vary quite a bit actually. The first one that get each episode is about a minute and a half, two minutes longer than the others until you get to the last one, which is like tw- uh, four or five minutes longer. And then the Star Beast they're about 25, 24, 31, 27. So they are quite variable the length. Well, I mean, you were talking about um, how much they add. It's, I mean, there are 34 panels in this Star Beast one of story in the in the Roman Legion one, the first one. I haven't looked at the number of panels in the Star Beast, but and and because I was looking, I was I was as I was listening to the second time, I had these the comics in front of me, so I was looking at the amount of text that was either the same, not the same, or wasn't used at all. And so I was surprised that quite a lot of the text wasn't used, and a lot of it was very similar or identical in places. But, you know, for a story that they're having to pad out with a lot of extra words, they didn't use all the words in, in the comic, which, you know, there may well be good reasons for, but it was just interesting to, to compare the two. I've done it with the second one. I mean, I think it's just, it was an interesting sort of side piece into the doc, that Doctor Who universe of that time of the 70s, but I'm not sure how well it translated for me. Well, it was set between the two Romanas, apparently. Okay. I did, they it did say something script. about Romana at one point, didn't they? She was mentioned. So I think there's something with K9s off with Romana or something something with K9 and Romana. Just to just to split them up so they could, could tell the story. But yeah. I suppose, I mean, for us, we, we did this as a bit of a f- anniversary thing. I'm not sure how successful it was. I wasn't sure what we should do, and it felt a bit different. So it was an interesting one. And it, for me, I came in having never heard it, and that's quite unusual on these podcasts, but I don't think I'd be in a hurry to hear it again. I was just, just touching on a couple of um, funny notes I've got from the Starbeat. There are quite a lot of references to the other sci-fi, Star Trek and Star Wars, which I thought was quite fun, and to the point where the, the what is it, after the, the, the Doctor, not the not Tom Baker's Doctor, but the actual physician, the surgeon, comes up with the lines like, I'm a surgeon, not a... They did that at least he, twice. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's... It's a... It, it had to have been a blatant call oh, back was, to, yeah. to, to Bones and Star Trek. It had to have been. 
And also there's a great line towards the end where the doctor's like he can't quite get his head around Sheffield Steel, which if you even recall that's Jody's Sonic Square is made of Sheffield Steel. So he got there in the end. Yes, I mean I suppose the whole sort of Sheffield thing wasn't wasn't a big thing in Doctor Who until Jody came along and then they seemed to put a lot of it in Sheffield. But these so. predate Jody, don't they? Yes, yeah. So or maybe not, maybe. No, they, I'd have thought they, they were well, recording 2016. Yeah, 2016, she would have been... 2017, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, even, even if those lines were, were in the original comic, I think it's just quite... I, I enjoyed that little nod. It felt, you know, anniversary sort of. I know it's, it, it, the comic's not for the anniversary, but, you know, I, I dug it. I was like, yeah, I get that reference because I'm a dork. I was going to say, that I think we chose the, this uh, this story because it's going to be on TV for the 60th anniversary, didn't we? That was the reason we chose this particular one. Well, it'd be fun to do. I think if we came back to this one like for like 10, 20 minutes and after the Star Beast actually airs next week and uh, see how much it compares. Well, you're going to have to listen to it all the way through then. Yep. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> I'll get the whiskey out. <laughs> I'll be up for that actually. I'll, I, I, yeah, I can listen to it, give it a bit of time, and then come back and see how it compares. I can read the comic book as well. I haven't looked at that either. I do wonder the conversation. I mean, how many drinks had Russell T. Davies had when he goes, What are we going to do for the 60th? I've got an idea. We're going to bring back Beat the Meep. I mean, or is he just trolling? Because- well, I have to say, when I when I heard that we're going to do this, that story, and I, you know, I haven't read it for 40 years or whatever it is. I thought, what? what? Are we really dredging the comic strips for story ideas now? You know, is it this is the great saviour of Doctor Who and he's starting off with a comic strip adaption that doesn't bode well for the... Well, let's, let's, let's go back to one of the greatest Doctor Who episodes, Blink. It was actually a comic strip as first. And is that true? Uh, was by Stephen Moffat himself and he just thought he'd readapt it later, later down the line. I think, he, didn't he do it before the revival? No, um, no, I think it was in one of the annuals. Okay, right, okay. Uh, so I think it was after, and I'm trying to remember, was it a comic strip or was it a short story? But it definitely wasn't an adaptation, as was, I mean, some adaptations work really well, The Family of Blood. What was that strip as well? Uh, no, it's, that's a book. Oh, okay. Paul Cornell, original book. So oh, it's nice. a Seventh Doctor originally, Seventh Doctor and Bernice Summerfield. Nice. In the original version. And it's a good book, actually. I, must, I need, to, need to give it another read. But yeah, I do wonder what possessed him to go, this is the way we want to go. You know, it obviously works for, for him and we gotta trust him and hope he does it right. He's got off to a good start with the stuff he's done. I'd be very pleased to see the tales of the TARDIS and you know all these things are all good. I was really disappointed in the in the distinct lack of hornblower action in, in these ones as well. There's the basically two Holbies and a Howard's way. Per per show for Hornblower today, is it? Is it is a per show. It's a per show. They just weren't trying hard enough. I think I think it's something that we've we've got to get addressed, really. I think, but there we are. And that's I thought there would be more to say on that front, but not really. Well, yeah, I think we we maybe we maybe need to do a bit of a call to Russell T and say, look, Russell, you're casting here. Look. You know, we need to. Uh, what's the guy who plays Hornblower doing now? John Griffith. Yeah, I don't know. He's probably quite busy, I would imagine. But there are there are some ones that have actually been in, so we've. You know, we've got Matthews from Hornblower. He's uh, Matt Copley. Mm-hmm. Paul Copley. Jamie Bamber. Or Paul Copley. Matthew Copley. Matthews is his name. Sorry, Paul Copley. Jamie Bamber. We've got Robert Lindsay. Can we not get Robert Lindsay in? 
I don't know if he's ever been in a Doctor Who, and it feels like he should have been. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he has. It feels like a, a massive, a massive uh, miss there to not have him. I think so. Absolutely. Just having a look at my little list here of, of opportunities. <laughs> who could we who could we put forward? Sean Gilder. There's this guy here, Paul McGann. I think he's he's been. I don't think he's done anything. One thing or two. He's a bum. Bum. I don't think he has like since there's Julia Sawala, Glenister, David Rintoul, Lorcan Cranich, Tony Haygarth, Ron Cook. God, I, oh no, Ron Cook's already been in. So actually, you know, he's he's already been there. There's there's quite a there's quite a few here that I think would be good. Dennis Lawson, he'd be nice. Ah uh, yes, uh, Wedge Antilles from yeah. Star Wars. You and McGregor's uncle. Yes, I did not know that. Hmm. Who else we got here? As I go further down the list, I'm not sure how many of these ones are still alive. So I'll maybe stop reading them out just in case. So what's uh, everyone's plans for the 60th? That is currently 10 days away. I'm hoping we'll be on the day that I release this. But Or, or for the TV, is anyone going to get anything exciting? Doug going to be watching a load of comedy Sontarans ahead of it just to put them in the right I'm, I'm in Elgin at the moment, so I'm going to be in Elgin for it. On the on, well, at the 23rd itself, the day of the first episode is actually. I'm going to probably miss it because that's it, when I'm flying back down to England. on Sky. Like everyone, message him and just spoil it for him. No, 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 no that's not. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just yes. tell him how great Beep the Meep is, because that's what he's looking forward to the most. I don't really mind the Beep the Meep, as long as those kids aren't so blooming annoying. Those pesky kids. Those pesky adult kids. And Doug just Could revealed himself as the bad guy for every Scooby-Doo episode. Could be. That's Hong Kong fooey, isn't it? Well, Olivia and I are, are making uh, Dalek cookies and Cybermen, Gingerbread Men, and I think there's a Cassandra pizza in the pizza so yeah we're gonna we're gonna make some doctor who related snackery and and do that i was really kind of hoping it would be in the cinema so kind of disappointed that it's not we'll live with it i guess it's not as quite as hint hint for a big global juggernaut it was about 10 years ago it's quite interesting to see the the I want to say there's certainly not the decline, but just the kind of the, the minimalizing of every of Doctor Who through the last ten years from kind of where it was. Yeah. I mean heights of ten. Well, I, think, I think yeah. All the toys. Moving the, the, the Christmas what was it? The Christmas uh, episode I found was killer. And then changing the day that it was on, I think it was really those two things were really unhelpful. Yeah. So regardless of what you would think of those characters, moving when it's on, even though we're in a streaming culture and you know people can watch back and stuff. And then the taking out the Christmas episode as well, just thought, yeah. not very helpful to the people who are, who are trying to make up. So that's my opinion on off decision making in the past couple of years. That's probably the strongest I'll get on it. Yeah, yeah I think like, that regular time, and it was the same day, but the times varied quite a lot. Uh, yeah. well, it changed depending on how long the episode was. I think some of the time, again, what else was on BBC One that night? I think football was a big thing as well. Yeah. Or whatever. But I always find like it just seemed to me like the amount of care the BBC plugged into it just completely kind of fell away when Capaldi came on board. Because mm. like you had the big on stage reveal, you know, the big massive pomp and circumstance live reveal. And then for Jodie, it was like just after Wimbledon. Well, yeah. It's just like, and just again, for the lack of content just came out of this being like, well, we don't actually care as much. It's, 
our two biggest actors have all gone to do big acty things. We've got effectively one of the, the greatest, the best actors out of all of them coming on board, but we're not, he's a bit too old, a bit too less marketable. Mm. Like, man, sling, sling who can fuck off. He's actually amazing. He was pretty amazing, to say. And then I guess with Jodie as well, and again, she just, well, her tenure just didn't have a lot going for it with, like I said, good writing and good care. And just people just seem to fob it off, which is really disappointing about people in charge. People in charge, not people who watch the show. I mean, the people who are in charge mm-hmm. who, are, who are making these decisions, they seem to have like, oh, it's just more Doctor Who in it, waiting for it to die again. There was a lot of people who I think were planning to dislike it, which I don't yeah. really didn't really help and then so I, I find it quite hard wanting to really really champion it and love it and think it was going to be amazing and there's there's episodes in that whole series where I'm like I really I got nothing and it's apart from you know these actors are doing their best with what they've got this is really problematic there's some bits that even I'm thinking like I can res- suspend reality quite like skillfully and even I'm thinking right well how what that's you like yourself not- so much Exactly. So I was disappointed for that cast and, and everybody in it. A lot of the time, I just felt there was it was a bits of letdown. So yeah, I'm not. I'm excited about more Doctor, but I'm nervous a little bit about. Oh well, we've gone back to David Tennant, but also it's all going to be all right now, and that, that that's. It's but yeah, it's, it's, not, yeah. It's, not a, it's not it's not a good faith argument really to kind of you kind of want to like let shoot you stand yeah. on his own two feet and have. Because they're resetting the whole like series numbers as well. It's back to series one. Yeah, what's that about? I don't well, get did, that one. They, they did it with uh, Peter Capaldi. It was what's the guy that the second showrunner, not not Stephen Moffat. Yeah, did they not reset it when he started? No, no. no it kept going, kept trundling on. I, I think that's maybe at some point. No, they not reset anything. It's just been trundling on quite nicely. But I think what this could be, and this is, I think it's the hand of Disney. Kind of getting involved, putting it onto their streaming platforms outside of the UK. It's like we're relaunching or relaunching this brand new thing that happens to have 60 years of content behind it. So, like, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I like I say on that one. And Shooty's such an amazing actor as well. I've got abs- I've got no doubt that he will do amazingly, just like everyone else has. And so, yeah, I, I was worried about the David Tennant thing. I guess I still am. But at the very same time, I get a chance to see Donna again, and I absolutely love Donna. So I'm, I'm kind of taking that. I'm taking that and I'm like, okay, then if I get Donna and if, and they do her proud, they do her justice, and they don't screw her over. I think that's one of the cool things is like is what's given me a lot of faith is that is that good clip quote from Russell T. A long while ago about why this has happened in the first place hmm. was that he's just watching it and just texts Donna or texts her texts. Catherine Tate, David Tennant, like, fancy one more go around. And they're like, you know what, fucking, yeah. All right. That's yeah. Yeah. It, was that's the, like, it was the lockdown watching it that did it. Yeah. It, like, was, uh, it's, it's, it's just a really good faith way to approach it. It was the fact, it was down to the writer from Doctor Who magazine who was able to convince Tennant, Catherine Tate and Russell T. Davies to, to basically talk, do a live tweet along to the episode. And that's what kicked it all off. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. That puts a lot of good faith. That is, it's it's in good hands. It's in again with Bashuti being a great actor, and I think it with him at the helm, it's going to be the revival. Revival. I thought that they would never do it. When I heard rumours of Tennant coming back, I thought, oh, don't do that. That's that's not fair on the new the new Doctor because they're going to have to come in and follow David Tennant. 
But actually, I think if anyone can, oh, he I, can. I, I think the <laughs> fact that he's not, he's young and he's dynamic and he's someone that's just totally different and yet feels like already he feels like a doctor when I've seen him in photos and stuff. You think, yeah. I mean, every doctor has managed that. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope he's not one of these really fast talking doctors because everybody's tried to be a bit Tom Baker, but talking fast and whatever, you know, be a bit, bit wacky and a very fast talking. I'm just getting fed up with him. He's yabbering all the time. Bit too Matt Smith. Yeah. Well, I mean, David Tennant was the first one. Then Matt Smith, and uh, I'm not sure if I saw a really great thing the other day about how each of the new doctors is kind of you can attribute them to a season, and it's probably the most like accurate thing I've ever seen. This is obviously David Tennant is summer, Matt Smith is winter, Peter Capaldi is like late autumn, November time, Jody is pure like August vibes, and Eccleston was spring. I really enjoyed that. Hmm. Well, that's quite. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, there's another another one. It's like how I, I've I'm I've got like with with sixty coming up. My algorithm has gone bonkers with all the content for it. But there's one that kind of describes every doctor by a certain like emotion and sort of thing. And Peter Capaldi's one is just his head hand his head in his hands into saying, "I don't care." He said caringly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that fits. It's very well. I would love to see something with Peter Capaldi back in for this. I would love him, him and Stuti to do a thing. He made his debut in the in the fiftieth. It'd be lovely. Just even a glimpse of him saying and doing something would be lovely. And I don't yeah. think it's impossible because there's attack eyebrows. Well, Rachel Talalay, who's directing certainly the first one, Star Beast, was very. They were very close friends, and she, you know, she directed quite a lot of his episodes or quite a few of his episodes. So it feels like it's not impossible. Okay, then a closing question of the podcast for today then. Who are your two mashups? If you're to put together a multi-doctor story, who are you putting together and why? Now, do we can include dead doctors, I assume. Of course. Every, no, we don't know the doctor himself. <laughs> I mean, not as corpses, I should say, but as living. But, but, <laughs> I, I don't want like, a doctor dragging <laughs> around the dead corpse of a previous doctor. I think that'd be a bit hard. But a necromancy, never know. But no, it's, this is the, the height of fan fiction. Who who are you two you putting together to do a science fiction? Um, I'm actually going to start this off. But I genuinely think what would be really cool would be seeing Peter Capaldi and Shuri Gatwa do a thing. I think that'd be really really cool. Oh, two doc, yeah, two doctor. Stick in, stick in Sylvester McCoy and have a scot off where they're all trying to be as Scottish <laughs> as possible. Oh God! <laughs> <That's what you laughs> <want. laughs> that sounds good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay, so you got seven, ten. 12 and 14. That, well, the problem with that is that he doesn't speak in a Scottish accent, so he can't really be part of it. He can look on, sadly, at the fact that he didn't like his accent enough to use it. Well, that's the thing. Will Shooty be keeping his, his Scots? I don't, you know what? I don't even well, I know what he so. sounds like. So, Oh, he sounds beautiful. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's got this really fantastic kind of, like, the Glasgow week just comes out every now and again when certain phrases, and so he gets very excited, and I adore that. So we're going to get the first doctor to use the phrase Malky. See you, Davros. Come here, Jimmy. I can just imagine it. Yeah, so I'm putting, I'm putting 12 and 14, uh, 15 together. So it's doctors together, you mean, rather yeah. than doctors and companions? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Doug's going to go three and four. I have no idea. What's this mashup thing you talk of? <laughs> <laughs> you youngsters, you. Just like to take our toys from the toy box and just mash them together and make a thing. I'm going to go with Peter Capaldi. And Peter Cushing. 
do, do a bit of a taking because there was a great thing and I think it's mentioned in the Day of the Doctor book I don't think it made it into the TV show but it was going to be and it was going to be a theory that the Doctor Who movies were made in order to stop when people talked about the Doctor and the things that happened and because it had been part of an adventure it was their way of having deniability because they'd say oh they'll just think of that old film and the the whole story is that Peter Cushing was friends with the first or the third Doctor, and he convinced them to make the films. The unit <laughs> productions. Love that story, but I love the idea of of the, those two. That or Peter Capaldi and Eight would be a potential. I'd quite like to see Jodie Whittaker and Matt Smith at his most depressed, just to kind of see summer and winter. Inter, you know, Pollyanna, the, her, him out of his doom and gloom. And I could just see him being all really, really grumpy and her leaping around trying to make something out of a can of spam. Pond, um, pre-Clara. Yeah, post-Pond, pre-Clara, around about that time, I think would be quite good to see. And then I had wondered about uh, Colin Baker, maybe from more big, uh, big finishy Colin Baker and Jodie as well. I think that would be quite interesting. Ooh, that would be really good. But having not seen much or any of Colin Baker TV, I'm going with the Colin Baker that we get in Big Finish. I think that's a safe option. So too safe, too safe probably. But there we go. That's I'm I'm a middle aged lady, and safe is my middle name. William Hartnell and Peter Davison. There you go. Perhaps the old man and a boring doctor. Yeah, you just want to watch them arguing in the TARDIS. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> I'm going to say that um, it wasn't the most successful one, but, you know, it was it was interesting to see it. The next one, then, will be our Christmas edition, because we're that far through the year. And I suggested ages ago, and it was just reminded there when we were talking about what we might do, that I think I'm going to do another suggestion here, so that's two in a row for me. Given my last one wasn't a success, I'm not sure what Doug will make of this one specifically, but I'm going to go with... One of the very first releases, in fact, the very first release Big Finish ever put out, which is called Oh No It Isn't, and it's a Bernice Summerfield audio, so it technically isn't Doctor Who audio, but it does star, amongst others, Nicholas Courtney, and is a mad, mad story set in the world of pantomime. Oh No It Isn't. <laughs> well, that's what it is called, and it, it is mad. Behind you! I'd be very intrigued to see what anyone thinks of this. It's... Yeah, it's funny, it's a bit different, but it's not like anything we've done before. Excited? Look forward to it. And it's Christmas. Shall we get the Baileys on the go for this one? I think we should. I I think we should record it of an evening where it's not a work evening and we could all have a little bit of a tipple. That sounds... It doesn't have to be a work evening. It could be any evening for a tipple. Well, it could be you, Chris. The rest of us, us, Chris, are responsible adults. Bollocks. I've met all four years, three years. (laughs) King thing to say. Terrible. Just no tequila. Well, thank you, everyone. It was an interesting take on our 60th, but we'll be back soon with another exciting, inverted commas, maybe. We'll be back soon with... I didn't work at all. Uh, (laughs) We'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. With a new new podcast where we will try to restrain Chris's enthusiasm for Christmas. Oh, no, you won't. Oh, yes, we will. 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 Christmas is all an excuse for just an episode of Doctor Who. That is true, and we are getting a Doctor Who Christmas episode this year. So I think will be our first Chutigawa episode, which is exciting. 
Very cool. Very cool. Right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.